welcome those who are on LiveGate Outreach TV or listening to this by audio podcasts. I want to say God bless you. Thank you for joining us from time to time. And uh, thank you for listening to these messages and sharing your testimonies. We are truly encouraged hearing from you across the globe uh, as to what God is doing. And we are a thankful people that you are joining us in these matters. May God continue to honor his word in your lives in Jesus' name. Our new series is Godly Virtues for Restful Increase. Let's give the Lord a big hand. This will be a five-part series that helps us to focus on our mission, our core values as a church. I just want to use the opportunity to also reiterate those core values and for us to understand that God does not give a people a set of values sake of it. When God starts a mission and he gives you something about a vision, a mission, and values, you must understand that it is because you are going to need those things to accomplish the, the mission. The Bible says when he sent them out two by two, he gave them power over authority, or he gave them power and authority over the works of darkness because he knew they would need the power. And so as a people called of God, the Lord, as a church, God has given us five core values that we believe in the sanctity of the word and we believe in God's sovereignty in giving us these values. We want to thank God for them all. Our banner today shows those core values and um, they are acronymed in the, in the word LAFET, L-A-F-E-T, which is love, ability, faith, excellence, and trust. Those of you that have been here long enough will know each of those things as we emphasize. And if you look around, you will see posters that demonstrate or display those things. God's mandate on us as a church mission is that we love God and love one another as commanded by God. That's the first core value. Secondly, that we use our abilities to glorify God and serving God and humanity, our God-given abilities. God gave you whatever you have, your skill, your strength, your wisdom, your resources. God gave them to you so that you can serve him and serve humanity. So it's a core value for us. And then we, the third core value is the core value of faith by which we act as commanded by God in faith at all times. And then the core value of excellence is that we do all that God puts in our hand with the spirit or by the spirit of excellence. And finally, the core value of trust mandates us as a people to trust in God and under God trust one another to be able to do. We don't trust in one another, but we trust one another. We trust in God and we trust that in unity, together, we can work with our trust in God to do all that God has called us to do. And so these five core values, we'll be looking at them as God has packaged them for this season to help us live a lifestyle of restful increase. And so the first session today is a lifestyle of unconditional love. Throughout last month, we were looking at the theme of love. And this week, again, we will be looking at the theme specifically focused on a lifestyle of unconditional love. This is the first core value that we have as a church. And uh, we are to love God and love one another as commanded by God. 
We are talking now about the agape love of God, the very love that God has for mankind. And it sheds in the heart of mankind so that man can love one another. This God kind of love must be experienced from God first. Nobody can give what they don't have. Everybody must experience the agape love, connect to the agape love, the John 3.16 love. God so loved the world, he gave, but then it is whosoever believes that becomes a partaker of it. Then when you become a partaker of it, what God expects of you is to let it brood in your heart by the Holy Spirit and extend to others. So God's love the agape love is given to us to enjoy and also to release to others to enjoy through us. Romans chapter 5 from verse 6. The Bible says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7 says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. I want us to read verse 8 together. Let's go, everybody, verse 8 together. One, two, go now. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Agape love is an unconditional love. It is not given to us because we are good. It's not given to us because we have done the right things. It came to us while we were sinners. And the emphasis in receiving the agape love of God is for us to understand that we are to also extend it to everyone regardless of who they are. If God gave it to us whilst we are still sinners, then we have no reason whatsoever to withhold the agape love of God flowing through us to others. And so this is the way we have been called to manifest this unconditional love of God. We first give it back to him and then we also give it to others. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, the Bible says we love him because he first loved us. So we give him back love in worship. We give him back love in our service. We give him back the love as we honor him with our lives. But the first love was given to us by him. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. And so we must understand that the first requirement in handling agape love after we receive it is to give it back to God in obedience. Give it back to God in reverence. Give it back to God in worship. That is why the psalmist said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It is a place where I have the privilege to share my agape love with others in giving back to God in corporate worship. The Bible says, the psalmist said, one thing I have desired, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple, because it is in his place, in his presence, among the saints, that I am able to corporately express my agape love back to him. We do it individually, and we are mandated to do it corporately. But apart from giving it back to God, we are also commanded and mandated by God to give it to other people. 1 Peter chapter 4 from verse 7. The Bible says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Ladies and gentlemen, prayers are not old-fashioned. Prayers are not the things that we used to do. Prayers are not the things that the saints of old used to do. Praying is a mandated requirement. It's a mandated lifestyle for those who name the name of the Lord. 
The Bible says the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious. It means you and I must engage in serious activities of watchfulness and praying. Praying is not an option. In the Western lifestyle, and as many countries that are overindulging in the Western com conveniences, we are trivializing the place of prayer. Because with human wisdom, God has solved many problems that used to be prayer points many years ago. And our generation is gradually slipping into an abyss of prayerlessness, an abyss of watchful, watchlessness, an abyss of carelessness. We must not be caught up with those because the Bible says, be serious, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Because it is when we pray that we give God the opportunity to magnify his agape love in our hearts to the point where we are not only enjoying it, but we are, in, we are given the capacity to also demonstrate it to others. So he said, be watchful in your prayers. But in verse 8, he says, and above all things, have fervent love. Above all things, verse 8, above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sin. Verse 9 says, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. It is very easy to grumble. It is very easy to complain. It is very easy to murmur. Have you noticed that it, it costs you nothing to complain about anything? It's so simple. It is more difficult to give thanks than to complain. It is more difficult to, to appreciate than to complain. It is more difficult to praise than to complain. Complaint comes naturally with the natural man. Murmuring just oozes out of the carnal man. So the Bible says, you must be hospitable to one another without grumbling. It takes the agape love of God for us to focus on those things that want to make us grumble and reject them. Many people complain about the good things that God has done for them because they are looking at the things that they are waiting for. As many people who are having their eyes always fixed on the next things to come, they will always find reasons to complain. But if you learn to appreciate what God has done in giving you your spouse, in giving you your children, in giving you your job, in giving you your church, in giving you the business that you do, in giving you the friends that you have, in giving you the nation that you live, in giving you anything that you have, then you start to find yourself living a more fruitful life of love, walking in love because you are hospitable. You find it easier to be hospitable because you are somebody who appreciates. We must do it. The Bible says be. And every time the Bible says be, it talks about potential. Anytime the Bible says be, it means you have to trust God to become that thing. It is something you have to do. It is not just something that will happen to you. He said be hospitable to one another. When he said be fruitful, we have to engage in everything that we should engage in so as to be fruitful. Otherwise, he would have not commanded it. Everybody would have just been popping out of the earth like the first man was created from the earth. He would have just been creating more. But the moment he created Adam, and out of Adam he brought Eve, he said to them, be fruitful, multiply. Be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. And then we had to engage with him in becoming fruitful and in multiplying. Verse 10 says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. There is a love of God you have received. You must minister it to me. There is a love of God I have received. I must minister it to you. It is an intentional work that we must engage on a daily basis. So manifesting unconditional love places a demand of deep spirituality on us. 
No one can walk in this kind of love with sense knowledge because everything around you works contrary to it. No one can walk in giving unconditional love, agape love of God with, with human wisdom. It is impossible. You need the wisdom from above, which is above all. Romans chapter 12, from verse 9 to verse 21, we read in our scripture reading today, those of you listening by podcast or, or listening, watching the audio, or watching the video rather, we read Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to verse 21, and I would urge you to read the whole verses, but I'll keep a few verses to just make some emphasis about how to manifest this unconditional love of God. First things I would like to talk about are in verse 9. The Bible says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. The first thing we must do in walking in unconditional love is that we must realize that it is important for us to love without being hypocritical. It's important for us to keep abhorring what is evil and clinging to what is good. These are intentional decisions that must be made in the full consciousness of our minds on a daily basis. Be not hypocritical, abhor what is evil, keep clinging to the good. Because the first thing about not being a hypocrite talks about you doing exactly what the word of God says you should do and what you say the word of God says you should do. A hypocrite is somebody who says something is right to do, but yet do, does completely the opposite. A hypocrite is somebody who says something that is right to do, but they themselves do not believe in it. A hypocrite is somebody who is doing something that is contrary to the same things that they are asking others not to do, and so on and so forth. So love must not be what we say. Love must not be what we profess. Love must be what we do. So it must be without hypocrisy. The Bible says, abhor what is evil. Because in every relationship and in every case, you will be confronted with evil. Think about God the Father looking at the entire earth. God looking at the sons of men and women, committing all kinds of atrocities, manifesting all forms of evil. And looking at them, sending his son to die for them so that he can extend his love towards them, meant that he abhorred evil. He, 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 he let go of the evil. He replaced the evil with the good that his son was bringing. The redemption that his son was bringing. This is how we must all learn to see with the eyes of God. When Jesus said, pray, pray that the will of God in heaven be done on earth. Pray that the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pray because his thoughts are not our thoughts. Our natural ways of thinking are not the same way. He reasons. So we must be a people who pray and press into how to cling to what is good. There was a great servant of God in the, New, in the Old Testament called King David. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, David had fought many battles, he had become king, and he was just relaxing and enjoying himself. But as we all know the story of David, David was hunted down by the former king, King Saul. So much so that this man hated David and wanted to kill him, was really out to kill him. But King Saul had a son called Jonathan, who by God's design and God's privilege, loved David so much. And that love that God gave, put in the heart of Jonathan towards David, preserved David's life many times. And so one day, after Saul and Jonathan had died, and David was in his throne, 
In verse 1, the Bible said, Now David said, Is there anyone who is left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? He mentioned Saul. He mentioned Jonathan. Don't forget Romans chapter 12 verse 9. He said, let love be without hypocrisy. David did not do to the house of Saul what Saul was trying to do to him. He did not repay evil for evil. So he was not a hypocrite in that respect. But he rejected also the evil that this, his, his, his predecessor, King Saul, was meeting out at him. He rejected that evil and jumped the, lead, the, the, the line of Saul and went straight to Jonathan. He went to Jonathan and took Jonathan's kindness and took Jonathan's goodness and made it the good to now bless the entire clan. I hope you can see what God is saying in that place. There could be evil, there could be good. If you want to choose to concentrate on the evil, you live like a hypocrite. David did not look at what Saul was doing to him or what Saul did to him till he eventually died. It would have been natural for David to say, well, God has killed my enemy at last. I now have rest roundabout. And forget everything that Jonathan did for him. Forget every good thing. Because it is easier to remember the evil. That is why the Bible says, avoid it. Reject it. Detest it. The devil will keep showing you why you should not love. The devil will keep showing you why the evil is what you should think about. Keep rejecting it. Because there is a good hidden behind every evil. Jonathan was the good that was hidden behind Saul's evil in the life of David. So David extended kindness to the entire clan of Saul. Not being a hypocrite like Saul. Just because of Jonathan's sake. May God continue to help us to cling to the good. May God continue to help us to cling to the good. In the name of Jesus. And they told him that there was somebody. And in verse 7 the Bible says, So David said to the servant, he said to Mephibosheth, when they brought Mephibosheth, who was Jonathan's son, he was lame in his feet at that time because he was dropped when they were running out of battle for battle by mistake and he became lame. But David said they should bring him. And when they brought him, David said to him, do not fear. Let's read it together. So David said to him, do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake. And will restore to you all the land of who? Saul, your grandfather. And you shall eat bread at my table continually. The blessing upon Mephibosheth was now something that will restore to him everything that the evil Saul had meted out to David. But he restored it to him because of Jonathan, his father's sake. I want you to know, friends, that as much as we want to fo focus on the things that are good, God will show us every reason. If you can't find any reason whatsoever, remember Christ died for that person. If you look at the life, because I know that there are people that honestly you can scratch your head for one hour and think, of, think very hard and you will find it very difficult to find any good thing. I know that. I know that. There are people who are really, really that bad because we are in the real world. It happens. But the reality is the moment you remember that Christ died for them, it should let you know that there is a good that you should also rejoice and used to extend the agape love of God to them. In the name of Jesus. In Romans chapter 12. Let's go back to Romans 12 verse 10. He said be kindly affectionate to one another. With brotherly love. In honor giving preference to one another. So that's the second point. The second one is that we should reject hypocrisy and evil. And cling to good. But the second one is that we should be kind and give preference. 
We should be kind and give preference. It is important that you live a lifestyle of kindness continually. There was a story of Joseph that we all know about, a, about him and his brothers that sold him virtually into slavery. And when Joseph, his story, of course, we know he became prime minister and he became a person of influence. Joseph showed kindness to his brothers. How many of us will be in the position of Joseph? How many of us will be a person who will show kindness like Joseph after we have been betrayed? Many times we remember betrayal. And instead of us, like Joseph, deciding to be kind, to show the agape love of God, to overcome that colleague that is always trying to pull us down, to overcome that colleague that is always trying to just make, make a, a, a nonsense of every work we do, to overcome that neighbor who tries to make things very difficult, to just show kindness, to just show kindness. Joseph showed kindness in Genesis chapter 45, verse 4. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me, because they were afraid when they knew it was him. So they came near. near. Then he said to them, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. And verse 5, he said, but now do not, verse 5 says, but now do not therefore be grieved or angry. Do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. The Bible says, now we know in Romans chapter 8 verse 29, that all things, somebody say all things, work together for good to those that love God and are de called according to his purposes. All things work together for good. We used to do that many years ago. I don't know why I stopped. Come on, say it with me now. I'm going to say, for I know that all things work together for my good and moving forward. For I know that all things work together for my good and I'm moving forward. Amen. Everything is working for your good. Somebody, when they were reporting you, they thought that that would pull you down. It's working together for your good. They don't know that they are bringing out the work that you have done much more. The line manager they were telling, the director they were telling that they thought was going to be annoyed with you, is asking, so, do you mean they did that? They did that. That's exactly what I want. Remember what happened in the time of Mordecai? A man went there and said, did somebody did this wonderful thing, wonderful thing, wonderful thing. And uh, the, the, the king said, what should we do to such a person? He thought they were talking about him. And he, he wanted to put Mordecai down. He said, put that person on the royal robe and put him on a horse. And parade him in the city. Say, that, the king said, that's exactly what we will do for Mordecai. Hallelujah. God knows that there are things that must be said about you to push you to your next level. God knows that there are things. There is no way those two dreams of Joseph would have ever come to pass if nobody sold him to slavery for the Ishmaelites to pick up and sell him to Egypt. The dream was given out there, but in the other place where the palace is, it's right there in Egypt, and we must move from the wilderness to Egypt for that dream to come to pass. And there is no way Joseph would have thought of going to Egypt by himself. So the brothers thought they were doing something evil, but he said, God sent me here to preserve life. Every time you have an opportunity to forgive somebody, and you are alive and well to do so. Just know that God is reminding you that you are like Joseph. 
They thought they did you evil at that time. But God is promoting you instead. In the name of Jesus. I have a colleague that we're not, I don't have anything against him. He's my friend. We talk from time to time. But I understand many times that he's always talking about me negatively, especially when I'm not there. Somehow he doesn't do it when I'm there. Maybe he's afraid. I don't know. But, you know, I took that and I, I, many times I hear it and I just smile. And when I have the opportunity to talk about him, I talk about him positively every time. Every time. I have never spoken negatively to people that matter about him at any time. So those people used to get confused when we are in meetings and I'm talking about him. And uh, they, they look at me and, and they're like, don't you know that this guy doesn't like you? Why are you polishing him like this? Why are you making him look good? Don't you know that this guy is always talking negative about you? But you know something? The more he talks and the more such people do such things, the more God helps you to be lifted. God has been moving me from lifting to lifting, from lifting to lifting by his own mighty hand. Hallelujah. So you have no business worrying about those things. You just keep showing love. You keep showing love. I know we must use wisdom and preserve ourselves from being utterly destroyed or consumed by the enemy. I'm not talking about making yourself vulnerable. But I want you to know that if you are going to be a person who will be walking in unconditional love, you must learn to be kind. You must learn to give preference. Give preference there means think about what God has done for them and bless them. The Bible says bless and do not curse. Bless people. And as you bless, God will keep blessing you. I say as you bless, God will keep blessing you. In the name of Jesus. Let's go back to Romans chapter 12 from verse 17. We're going to read very quickly to verse 19. As we look at the third and final point I want to make on the three points. He said in verse 17, Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for the good things in the sight of all men. Verse 18. Verse 18, quickly. He said, If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceable with all men. So you have to be asking two questions. To live at peace with all men. Is it possible? Number one. Does it depend on me? Number two, if you can answer yes, yes, then live at peace. Forget about the situation. Forget about what they've said. Forget about what they've not said. Forget about what they've done. Forget about what they've not done. Is it possible? And it, does it depend on you? And I tell you, in most cases, if not all cases, it's always possible. It's always possible to forgive. It's always possible to forgive. It's always possible. It depends on you because you are the one that must take the decision to walk in love. Then verse 18, verse 19 says, Behold, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, what? Vengeance is mine. I will... Are you reading it with me? I will... Who said he will repay? So why are you trying to repay? Why are you trying to, to take it upon yourself to repay? You say, they said this about me. You tap your head four times. He said, never will they say that again. No, 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 no. Let God repay evil. Let God himself. God knows how he repays everyone. Believe me. So we should not. Number three point. Do not be vengeful. Do not be vengeful. It's very easy to be vengeful. Have you ever seen two children? Put two children down. They are playing just now. Two children, six-month-old babies that are just managing to sit down. They are playing just now with a toy. Suddenly, the devil comes in. You know the devil comes into such scenarios as well. He's a very useless devil. There's no way he doesn't go. And then one will just slap the other one on the face. 
pow, like that. Then before you know it, the other one will look up. Ito will take his left hand, two babies. <laughs> Ito will take his left hand and, and give one uppercut like that until you go there quickly and separate them as young as they are because it is naturally easy to be vengeful. Naturally easy. Hardly do you see that there is not such a response. Now, as we grow and mature, what God is saying is that leave the vengeance to God. He does, he knows how he will repay. He knows what they did to you. He knows what they said about you. Let him repay. In the year 2003, I was reminded of this story as I was preparing for this message. It's kind of funny, but it's not that I'm happy for the person, but it's what happened, and I must share it like that. In 2003, we were living in, in, uh, in, on, on, this, on a house in North Hampton Road East in Wolverhampton. Is it east or west? I can't remember whether it's west or east now. <laughs> North Hampton Road, I think it's west now, in, in Wolverhampton, west, west. New Hampton, not Northampton, New Hampton Road, that's it. New Hampton Road West, nice uh, terraced apartment, three-bedroom flat uh, house, and we enjoyed it. It was a nice place. But we had this very funny neighbor. Because at the rear garden, it has only space for one car, and um, the moment you open your gate, it will affect the neighbors, because these were terraced properties. If you open your gates, it will affect your neighbor to the left and your neighbor to the right. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you moved your car in, and then you quickly needed to shut your gate. So everybody did that. But for some strange reason, I had this neighbor who just did not want to shut her own gate. So she will, especially the one that opens to my side. So she will open, leave her gate open whether the car was there or not. Her brother-in-law, somebody used to drive a car that they brought there. And he will, she will just open it like that. And uh, I would go, I would shut it. And I'll have to move out gently and, you know, like that every time. So one day I called. I said, you know, it's better that when we all come in, it's better everybody just takes care of their gates like everybody does. She said, no, no, no. She said some things. And it, was, it would have been a natural response for me to just give it to her. Somebody said, give it to her. But don't give it to her. Praise the Lord. It would have been natural. I was on my right. I would have just washed her down and told her how rude she was and blah, blah, blah. But the Holy Spirit said, ignore her ignore her. And one day I was, I was in the kitchen, I was doing something, doing the dishes or so, and I was looking at her, the way she flung open the gate. She, 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 because I, what happened was, I went out, I shut her own door because I wanted to move out, but I came back inside to now start to prepare to go. She, she came outside, she wasn't going anywhere, as if somebody was just looking for trouble. She came out and flung that gate and it hit my gate and it stood there like that. And then I saw her. She didn't know I was looking at her. And she walked in. And the Holy Spirit said to me, just leave her alone. She's looking for trouble. Just leave her alone. And I said, Lord, have your way. Then one day, I just noticed that the gate was not, was shut permanently. Then I didn't know what was happening. Then I looked back. The car she was using to harass me was smashed completely and was parked there for months. Now, I'm not happy that her car was smashed. But I said to God, I said, Lord, you didn't need to smash this person's car <laughs> to resolve this matter. But all the same, you've taught me a lesson here. I did not have to say one word. The same car she was moving out and, and throwing the gates now became immovable. So there was no, no point in opening the gate. Hallelujah. You see, as, as big, basic as that story is, it taught me a big life lesson. It looks like foolishness to keep quiet. It looks like stupidity that you are being cheated. You leave it to God. 
God is not a man that he should lie. He said, vengeance is mine. I will repay. Vengeance is mine. So you keep loving, don't be vengeful. And God will continue to honor his word in your life. In the name of Jesus. First Samuel chapter 24. David is another example of this. Verse 5. He said, and so it happened afterward that David had troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. This was when David was being pursued by Saul and David had the opportunity. David had, it's First Samuel 24 verse 5. Verse 5 now. David had the opportunity to deal with Saul, actually to kill him. The, 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 the associates of David said, kill him now, you have the opportunity, because he was asleep. And David said to his men, verse 6, let's read what David said together. Verse 6, let's go. And he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing his anointed of the Lord. Verse 7. So David, verse 7. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. And Saul got up from the cave and went on his way. We know that Saul eventually died, but not by the hand of David. We all know that. God will remove everything that needs to be removed from your life the way he will do so without you having to take vengeance into your hands. In the name of Jesus. David said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. Don't say this applies only to men of God or to people anointed Christians. Everyone who is a benefactor of the agape love of God must not be touched. Leave the vengeance to God and let God have his way. In the name of Jesus. So I conclude by saying we have received his kindness and love whilst we were fully in sin. We do many things wrongly every time, and God's mercy keeps showing forth to us. The Bible says if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. First John chapter 1, verse 9. God rescued us from sin, and he continues to forgive us even when we stumble and fall. We must know that we must continue to enjoy that love from him, but also do the same to people. Titus chapter 3, verse 3. Say, for we ourselves were also once foolish, we were once disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and desires, living in malice and envy and hateful, and we were hating one another. That was our state before. And verse 5 says, verse 4 says, but when the kindness, let's read verse 4 together. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward man appeared. Read it again. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, Toward man appeared. Verse 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we did not do anything to deserve the love of God. We must not be demanding on people to do certain things before we give them the same love. I have always qualified these messages by telling everyone that this has nothing to do with permitting bad behavior. Couples must not say to one another that, you know, you have to love me like that. That is how I am. That is how I behave. That is not what we're talking about. That is irresponsible. In fact, that is not love. You are walking in disobedience if you are living like that. But we're talking about two people in a relationship who are intentionally engaging with the word and the wisdom of God. 
but finding themselves occasionally falling in one area or the other, we must remember that there was no work of righteousness we did to get the kindness and the love of God. So we should not be demanding for any work of righteousness whatsoever from others so that we can love them. The Bible says, according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. The washing of regeneration, Ephesians 4 tells us that it is the washing of the water by the word. So you look at people in the eyes of God through the word of God. Look at people in the eyes of redemption or potential redemption. Look at people as saints or potential saints all the time. Look at people in the eyes of God, of love, whereby he's pleading to everyone to be saved. As long as we look at people from the eyes of regeneration, the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5.5 5 tells us, Romans 5.5 5 tells us that it's been shed abroad in our hearts, that by the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts, by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit now helps us to manifest that love. Friend, these are not messages that we hear and want to practicalize with human wisdom. It never works that way. You need to go prayerfully before God and say, Lord, make me a lover, a lover of you and a lover of people. Help my love life to increase. Let me walk in the realms of unconditional love, just loving, just loving and loving. And as you love, God's love will never be depleted in your life. You will keep experiencing the love of God. I say you will keep experiencing the love of God. The love of God is what gives you your testimonies. The love of God is what protects you when you are sleeping. The love of God is what keeps you away from evil. The love of God is what helps you when you are sleeping and the car was veering off and veering off on the motorway and nobody was in the car with you and something taps you on the shoulder and says, wake up now. And then the love of God shows you that you are almost heading for the ditch and you stood there as if you knew what you were doing. It is the love of God. It's the love of God that's been speaking for you in places where you say, but how did they get my number? How did they know that I was, I was needing this thing? Who told, who told them this? It's the love of God. It is the love of God that puts it in the heart of people to favor you. It is the love of God towards you, the agape love of God. Keep enjoying it. Don't let anyone ever threaten you about your placement in Christ. You are loved. I say you are beloved. I say you are beloved. In the name of Jesus, don't let anyone talk of you any less. But as much as that is important, always remember that you are loved so that you can love others. May God continue to help us in Jesus' name. Let's rise to our feet. We are going to break bread today. Well.